This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, at Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. What up, guys? It's Dr. Vic here, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. As each week, every Friday, we interview someone to share a concept, an idea, something to help you level up in your life, no matter whether it be on the mindset side, spiritual, universal, uh, psychology, sociology, sexuality, whatever it is. It's going to help you in some way, shape, or form level up in life and give you the freedom that you seek. In today's episode, I had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing Joe Bernstein. And what a story this guy has. He is the founder of the Drop the Armor Wellness and Expert Men's Coach. And this guy was, in, this conversation was great. Joe is an individual, great energy. You can feel the groundedness when he speaks and all that he does. In the episode, we talked a lot about his story and what he went through and the struggles that he went through his story, how he was shifted around how the life cultivated him to get to a certain point to do what he's doing now and being lit on fire in what he does. Um, we got into the whole aspect of 
the head, the heart, and the guts, and why it's critically important for men to focus on those three elements and how, what does it mean when they're imbalanced and so much more. And he's all about dropping the armor that men carry. And it's the armor that we protect ourselves from a state of survivalness, survival to get through things and then realize as we get older, we didn't need it. And we got through what we had to get through. And now it's time to unleash that so you can unleash the real truth of who you are. Um, this was a great interview. I had so much fun with Joe. We're going to have him back on in the, in the months to come to truly dive deeper because there was so much that we could discuss. So I don't want to take any more thunder away. But here is Joe Bernstein. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk. I've listened to a few episodes of your show recently, and I'm just grateful that we're here getting to serve and share and love up on your audience and deliver some good service, hopefully. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, just us just talking in the short before getting on, uh, I think we got some good stuff here. So I, I'm I looking I forward like, to it, man. <laughs> I was like, we should have been recording that part. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I just did another interview and the guy was like, we were talking beforehand. He's like, you should do like a VIP like special or something where you just take yeah. the pre-talks and like the before the scene stuff. Because sometimes you get something like we just had. There's some good stuff there. I'm thinking about doing yeah. that. We'll see. Yeah. So yeah, a friend of mine does that as well, too. She does a podcast about men. She's a female coach, coaches men. She does that. She's got like come to the behind the scenes VIP stuff, you know, on the website. It's pretty cool. I love that. It's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I want to know, and I know the listeners will be interested to know, too. Let's talk about how you got into what you're doing, man. I know we were talking about you were a lineman, this and that. You have a lot of different right. – I know there's a lot of good story here. I, I, I'm not going to pinpoint yeah. what I want to hear. I want you to just share what you think is relevant. Sure, sure. I'll share what I think is relevant. You know, the long and short of it is I grew up with a bunch of beliefs based around scarcity. Bottom line, I embody scarcity beliefs. I really, truly thought that life wasn't worth risking what you had. It wasn't worth going after more. It wasn't worth deeply even getting in touch with what you desire because it's not safe to go after what you want. Let me tell you how I found I got to that place. You know, I, I grew up like a lot of people, middle class, um, suburban lifestyle, two parents that are so full of love, family intact, two sisters, two parents, we're together. And so we have all of this, what I want to say in many ways, like, relational and emotional and, and, and physical and material privilege. But like many people, uh, love for my parents was, was just scarcity. For my mom, it was like fear. You know, her children were like the most precious thing in the world. It's a typical Jewish mother. Like, you know, she didn't let us go into the woods. She didn't let us go to the mall until I was a little to work there. She had me, you know, she'd watch me go down the street, three houses down to my best friend's house every day. I wasn't supposed to like leave people's houses without calling. It was just all scarcity. You're going to get kidnapped and molested and this. And you know what? In the 80s, that, that stuff was happening. So it's not like she was totally off her rocker, but she was deeply afraid of a lot of things. My dad, meanwhile, man, this guy grew up, um, you know, in poverty, in Brooklyn, uh, as far as you can get from Manhattan, Brighton Beach, uh, in the Russian Jewish neighborhood. And he just grew up really poor, but he worked his butt off and he got himself into a good, stable, six-figure government income and raised my family on that. But he acted like he was still that poor kid. There was never enough time. There was never enough money. I mean, back in the, in the late 90s, juicing exploded. I mean, I know it's still big now, but juicing exploded. I like to tell people, my mom would go out and spend like $50 a day on produce to make juices for me and my sister and for her. And my dad wouldn't drink the juices, but he'd eat the pulp from the juice machine with the hot sauce. It's a guy making six figures, taking us to Disney World, you know? And so he, and he never bought anything for himself and he didn't create, you know, he didn't have hobbies for himself. He didn't have friendships. So he just provided, woke up at four in the morning, took the train, took the bus, went and kicked ass at work, came home took care of the bills and a lot of stuff around the house. And he just, he just did that. So everything was not enough for myself. And he was very uh, risk averse and scared and critical and like just nervous. You never enough time, never enough energy, never enough anything in the Bernstein house. So I love the two of them to death. They're still beautifully supportive today. They've always supported me, but I embody those beliefs and we don't have a ton of addiction in my home, in my household, in my family, in my, my lineage. It's, but it's not, you know, gambling or porn or, or, or any of that, like alcohol, drugs, it's food. 
It's food, it's comfort, it's TV. By the time I was five years old, I was two times the weight of most average children. Uh, by the time I was in high school, I was up and down over 300 pounds. It depended if it was football or wrestling season, I'm under 300. If it's not, I'm over. And by the time I was 16, factor in the fact that I was in an academia in middle-class suburbs of DC in a pretty rich neighborhood. And the idea there is like, you're either smart and you go to an Ivy League school or you're an idiot and you're going to be a failure. So I have some different abilities when it comes to learning. Like I'm not an academic learner. I'm an experiential learner. I'm a kinesthetic learner. I absorb things, but you ask me to sit down and read a textbook, my learning different abilities or disabilities, as they called it back then, make it really hard. So took in all the energy of weight, hate, the judgment that people have around people that have larger bodies, the teasing that comes from kids and also teachers and counselors and coaches who are meaning well, but delivering a message of there's something wrong with you. And I coupled that with the beliefs of the world that have your body, you're not lovable. If you have a learning disability, you're not going to be successful. So at 16, I remember thinking like, hey, I'm just just a guy who's probably going to be obese my whole life and have serious health issues in his 40s and 50s. I'm just a guy who won't do good in college, so I won't get a great job and I won't have a great career. And I was afraid of love, not just because of the messages about bodies, but my parents, as much as they love, they fought and bickered and, and had a lot of emotional violence towards each other. They did. Um, they've mellowed out a lot, you know, and they're still together. Even through this COVID crisis, they're together, you know, in their late 70s, just chilling in a two-bedroom apartment, somehow making it work. So I'm really impressed by them. But but they argued and fought a ton when we were little. And so I just thought that, that you know, I wasn't worthy of love either. So this is just what, what you believe you create. So in my mid-20s, I dropped out of college. I'm 340 pounds at five foot 10. I'm not working out. So we, none of that's muscle mass, you know, doc. It's like none of that's muscle mass. And I had been really, I hadn't dated in five, six years. I mean, I dated a little bit at the end of high school and a little bit in my first year in college. But I just, after I lost that relationship, I dated a couple of people that I, you know, hooked on to a woman. And after I lost that relationship, I'm just like, look, I don't have the capacity to, to go out there and put myself out there. I was totally afraid of getting shut down. I already rejected myself, so everyone else did by default. So I just got myself to this position where I'm creating this life. Now, I'm going to slow down for a minute, and I'm going to get to the part where things really started to change. Uh, One year, I decided after I hit that 340 mark, I got to do something about this. So I made just a couple of tiny tweaks to my diet. I lost about 30 pounds one summer without even really trying very hard. I decided, oh. Maybe that means I'm lovable. So I, I decided to do some online dating. This is still early in online dating when it wasn't cool. And like you were judged for it, but I did it. I met someone. We were both coming from a lot of negative beliefs about our value and our lovability. We got married. We created a, co- a toxic codependent mess. I grew up a lot in that relationship. I learned tons in that relationship about myself, about the world. I kind of learned how to adult in that relationship. She whipped me into shape in many ways, but we were just a mess. And, you know, August, 2013, I'm going through a health crisis with kidney stones. I have to get a surgery for I'm 10 years into a career. I also stumbled into a career after I failed out of college that I loved. I worked for, I got a part-time job in retail for Bose Corporation. And before I knew it, a few years later, I'm running multi-million dollar stores and I'm really excelling and I'm well-known around the company. Uh, so here I am. I'm married. Never thought that would happen. I have a career I enjoy. Never thought that would happen. Um, but in August of 2012, we, we run into a bump you know, in the road. My, my uh, partner finally realized she was unhappy because we, we fought and bickered just like my parents all the time. And we were really codependent. She asked me to come to therapy. At the same time, I was realizing I got into a comfort zone in my work. I wasn't growing. I wasn't as passionate as I used to be. And I saw the glass ceiling. I knew I couldn't get to the next position without a degree. Uh, And that health crisis, that kidney stone surgery was just deep pain. I mean, I was in pain for two months. I was in lots of pain in multiple parts of my body that I'd never felt before (laughs) for months. So, you know, you could say shit hit the fan. Um, We went to couples therapy. We didn't last. We, We were about four months into couples therapy. And she walked in. She's like, I'm done. And that was the moment where I literally looked at my life and I said, how the hell did I get here? 
and, and the truth, Vic, was that I had stumbled into a life better than I thought I could have. And everything I had, the job, the relationship, the mental amount of health and mobility I had, I wasn't willing to risk anything. I wasn't speak, willing to speak up and speak my truth. I wasn't willing to talk, you know, be honest about when I thought there was integrity breaches in the relationship. I let her make every decision. I was the typical nice guy. Um, and at work too, I had gotten to a certain plateau and then I got comfortable. Stop taking risks, stop learning. Uh, I was really the person who thought I can't lose this stuff. So there's no way I can risk any of it. And what that meant was it started to deteriorate. Passion waned in the relationship and in the career. They both basically fell apart. And so I'm sitting here going, look, I've lost all this. What do I do now? And, and I could literally see, you know, this vision of, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get heavier and heavier and heavier. And then by the time I'm 40, I won't even be able to work 50, 60 hours a week on a retail floor physically. And I'll probably just be alone forever. Will I ever, you know, have a partner again? Will I ever kiss a woman again? These are questions in my mind at the time. It was pretty down and desperate. But something happened. I had already started reading some of the books the therapist had recommended. And at work, I was all about responsibility. I was all about being a creator. I was all about positive mindset. I was all about training our social skills and our capacities. And so something switched. You know, I found the right books at the right time. And I started to believe maybe there are people out there that teach us how to get healthy, how to understand our own emotions and understand our bodies, how to actually create loving relationships and break old patterns, old family wounds. And I just got insatiable, like the switch flip where it's like, I'm going to figure this stuff out. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then I started really learning to apply ways to change my mindset, mindfulness, meditation. I started really falling in love with food and learning to love food and have that bring me towards health. I lost over 150 pounds. I went from constant negativity and constant anxiety to understanding how to, how to work with my mind and my emotions and my body to be calm and confident. And like, before you know it, within a year, I've lost all that weight. I was dating multiple women that were like, quote unquote, out of my league with confidence, with joy, with passion. I was taking a lot of risks socially. I had transformed my life. I mean, in, in, in like multiple mind, body, spirit, uh, relationships, communication, social life, community, I had transformed it all. I just thought, well, I'm not special. Like I really believed at this point, I'm I'm a pretty amazing dude, but I'm not different than other people. I don't have a high IQ. I'm not physically gifted. But if I can change all of this, then people in the world can change just about anything that's holding them back. And so I got passionate to learn, like, how do I teach others that this? How do I take what I've learned, what I've embodied, and turn it into knowledge, skills, coaching, et cetera, that I can deliver to other people? And then that became my obsession. So that's like the story of how I got there. I mean, it took me a couple, it took me two more years to figure out how to leave my retail career. Things got better, then they got worse, and things fell apart, of course, there. But at one point, I just jumped and decided to hire a coach and get into a coaching training and decide, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help other men create this passion, this boldness, this joy, this connection to mind and body that I cultivated. I just knew I had to do it. It was like, that's still been my mission for the last five, six years, about seven years now, is I have to help other people create love and liberation through transformative experiences and relationships. That's kind of what keeps me up uh, during the day. I sleep pretty well at night. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that is it, is, is helping other men go from not taking risk or being comfortable or safe in their lives to creating what I call lit the fuck up life, going after what they want and believing that they're worth it and, and that they'll grow as they take risk. So that was a lot. <laughs> I, I shared a long version of the story. You gave me permission before we got on the call to like dive in. So I shared the big version. So thank you.
<laughs> oh, I love it. I love your story, man. I mean, I, there's so much we can dissect into that story, but I'll, I'll keep it, you know, it's simple, keep it as simple as possible. But, there, you know, that, that, you know, we talked about armor before getting on here. And I think I can see it where the armor, you know, men, you know, I, I, there's a technique I practice called uh, emotion code. And it's all about the emotions and how they get trapped into the body and special organs. And it's related yeah. to uh, Eastern Oriental medicine, where they know that emotions, t- certain emotions tie to certain organs and how they can yeah. affect the health of them. Um, and so, which is interesting, what I learned, and that's why I love the whole armor thing when we talked about earlier was, is that, mm-hmm. um, because when you have these certain emotions come up, sometimes you build a wall, a literally, they call it a heart wall and you protect yourself yep. around that. And, and it's like, no, this is, this is my, and you know, comfort kills. This is what I always say. And I love how you said mm-hmm. I got comfortable. Right. And what did you lose in that comfort? When you got comfortable, you're losing you. Right. You lost, and I'm, I'm, I might be putting words in your mouth. So I'm just going to ask, did you lose like happiness and joy of life and the lust of it all when you got comfortable? You know, this here's, here's the real thing. Uh, yes and no. I, from a very young age, lost that connection with myself. I lost that connection with myself very young. And there's a lot of theories about why. If, if I'm being honest, you know, you're a doctor, so you probably know the science behind this. But I really just I, I, I had to disassociate from all of the tension and anger and frustration and and kind of immaturity going on in the house growing up very young lots of fighting around you you learn to disassociate so i had been completely disembodied at a very young age i had been pretty disconnected from my emotions at a very young age which is wild because i'm a deeply emotional dude like i'm just i always have been i've always been sensitive but it's like I couldn't own it, feel it, understand it. I repressed it. And that's what that armor was. You know, for me, it was, well, put physical armor around your body. It might be soft. It might be unattractive. It might get you attention you don't want. But it, it helps you stay grounded physically. And it makes you bigger. And you know what? Maybe people won't get to know you so much. And people won't try and love you so much if you look away that society hates. So, I mean, I, I think I lost it at a very young age. Uh, I was someone who had a lot of passions growing up. I sang, I acted, I wrestled, I played football, um, school, not so much. I was never that into school, but like, but, but the reality is I had a lot of passions, but I don't know if I ever felt passion. I don't know if I ever felt the joy. It was just like, I needed stimulation. I had to do stuff, you know? So, so, so that's a great question. And you know, what did happen was I got into a place where I couldn't even experience, I couldn't even see how negative and armored I was, especially when I got that career that was successful and I got married and I'm like, oh, holy shit, I have all this great stuff. So now I really need to armor up and I really need to hide myself more. I hid and repressed more of myself, especially in the relationship. I cut off social ties. I didn't have a lot of friendships. So yeah, I mean, that was part of it is the comfort was like, hey, keep this job keep this job, keep this woman, don't do anything. And I did, I started to lose more passion. I would go to concerts, like concerts are my thing. I'd go to concerts and I did notice in my late twenties, early thirties, like it just didn't bring as much joy. My work that I used to just be fired up every day to go to, I didn't have the joy. It's going through the motions. So so yes, it came early for me, but it kind of reemerged at that point where I got most comfortable in my life, which I think has happened to a lot of men in the world as we're taught, you know, build success, build comfort, build luxury, build status, you know, build your 401k, get your, you know, your benefits, right? And it's, and there's nothing wrong with these things, but I do, I think, I think people are, are dying at the heart level and the spirit level because they want this comfort in the world. I love that. And I think it's hundred percent dead on. I mean, my upbringing all taught me to, my value was determined based upon how I provided from a financial standpoint and not who I am as the individual. Right. Now I know you, you what got you, was it your history, you're going, what, what you went through and then seeing it in other men got you interested to focus on men. What are the things you see in men that we can go any way you want with this, but what are the things? What are the things that with current men today they that they go through, and what are some mm-hmm. things that they need to unbreak through to become more whole? In, yeah. in essence, and I know it's a loaded question. We can, we can dissect that down, but I'll leave it to you. Hey, I'm with it. I'm with it. So, you know, 
I'm going to back, I'm going to go to your first question, your, your first question last, I think the question you asked, what do men need to become more whole? I, I can get, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into what I believe a lot of us need, but it really is deeply dependent on each individual. That's one of the reasons I still almost primarily do one-on-one work. I do really believe in customizing people's transformation, you know, expansion, healing, learning, et cetera. Um, but why men, you know, what had happened for me was I had felt disconnected from masculinity most of my life, even though I played sports, even though I, I wrestled, you know, I played football, even though I watched you know, basketball and slept with ESPN on and did all these kind of manly masculine things. I was also just always very much into things that are, were not considered masculine. I was very much into like musical theater very much into singing. I was a section leader of Chambers Chorus. I was very sensitive. I was just sensitive at a young age. Like I always was the dude who like was kind of like going to the bathroom at the like really sad part of the movie because it always got to me. I remember I would cry. You know, it's like, that was just who I was. And the fact that I was constantly teased and othered for being overweight, you know, I was picked on a lot. And then, of course, I learned to dish it out pretty hard so to protect myself. But, but basically, I always kind of felt like, well, I couldn't compete physically. I couldn't compete intellectually or academically with other men. They made fun of me. Clearly, my body is not like theirs. It's more feminine. You know, at six years old, when you have what people now call man boobs, like you just aren't treated the same. So I, had, I didn't trust other men. I didn't trust things that were masculine. I never really bought into a lot of this hyper-masculine culture that still exists today. And so for me, what happened was I, I kind of just got soft, you know, like I, once football and wrestling was over after high school, because I was certainly no college athlete, I just got soft. I didn't challenge myself. I didn't create any real um, relational or, you know, uh, um, like I didn't have any edge in the way I connected with people. I was a nice guy in every way, shape or form, whether it was work or whether it was family or whether it was, you know, I just avoided risk and hard conversations. And I really deeply longed for connection with women. You know, I'm a cisgender hetero dude and I like wanted to be with women, but I always believed I couldn't. So after the divorce, there was this bug in me, which was like, by the way, when we, when, when my partner and I got separated, I was already on the weight loss journey. Uh, I had already learned to eat differently and eat whole foods. And I was still a big dude. I was still like 270 maybe. But the fact that I had been able to lose weight consistently over about a year and a half, women. I'm starting to lose three. And so. I dove into the internet and you're going to find some funny shit on the internet. And so what I found really quickly was there's all this stuff out there for men's dating. And, and it was big back then around pickup. And I was immediately disgusted by pickup. But what I did end up finding was men's dating coaches and their content and their books and their programs that really showed me that there was this part of me that I, that I could develop, you know, masculine edge, masculine challenge a more masculine way of embodying my life. And that was transformative for a guy like me who always rejected in some ways masculinity and other men. I got into men's transformational work. I went on, on something called the Mankind Project, New Warrior Training Adventure, got deeply involved in that organization. So the, the time I had become a coach, I was very clear. I didn't set up my flag going, okay, I'm just going to work with men. In fact, at the beginning, I was like an eating psychology coach and I wanted to work with anybody. But very quickly, it was men who were attracted to my energy and what I did. And I did a lot of transformational work with men. I did a lot of study of men's psychology and what it is that makes us different and what makes us the same and what are the things that we keep ourselves from allowing ourselves to be fully human, right? As we talked about before the podcast a little. So that's the long and short of of like why men, it was deeply powerful for me to be able to kind of be in community to learn about men and masculinity, develop with myself in many ways to surrender to like safety of other men. And, and so that to me was where the bug got lit. And, and it just happened that I flew up my flag and about consistently about 80% of people who worked with me were men over the first three, four years of my practice. So I eventually just said, all right, fine, I'm a men's coach. You know, like eventually it's just like, let's just call a spade a spade. 
Um, I love the women I've worked with and we've had great results and experiences, but I do, I do love the kind of healing the masculine, if you will, or healing men. And I do believe truly part of my mission is helping men because we're in an age of transformation. Uh, women, non-binary humans, children, people who've been historically oppressed in all kinds of ways. It's time that that oppression ends. That oppression doesn't end until men feel safe enough to understand that power is within and power is not power over, that we don't need to control everything, that this way of feeding ourselves patriarchal and toxic masculine ways of being, it's, it's not just destroying others, it's not just destroying the planet, it's not just destroying the communities, it's destroying ourselves, like from the inside out. So I have this deep commitment to men and men's work and transforming the masculine because I believe that we're holding the keys of power and that power is ready to shift. Just universally powers ready to shift into more nourishing, more whole, more embodied, more spiritual, more sensual, more loving ways of being, right? And not to say that it's about being soft. It's actually the opposite. It's about how do you bring the love and that warrior's edge and that kind of sovereign energy to everything we do, but with other parts of our soul being developed, other parts of our skill set even being developed. So I said a lot. I can definitely dive into what I think men need, but I'd love to hear your reflections on that. We can just kind of riff from there. You're into it. Oh, yeah, totally. No, I love what you're saying, man, because it's like, uh, you know, my day job is a chiropractor. I'm, I specialize in pediatrics, prenatal and so forth. And one of the statements we have, um, uh, you may know this, may not know this, but in pregnancy and when women are going to give childbirth, there is so much fear instilled to them that it becomes more of something they should fear rather than embrace mm. and love. And it's this whole surrendering process. I won't get into it. Some women yell at me like, you've never been through it. You'll never will. I never will, <laughs> but I can study it. And I see, hear so many stories and experiences yep. that I, I can get a, a gist of it. But mm -hmm. one of the things we say is in order to change that, it's not going to come from the woman. It comes from the man. The men have to take over the cave. They have to protect the cave, as they call it. And what that means is that we have to protect our woman when they're going into there and have it, you know, be their guardian in a sense, rather than, and we have to be educated in many ways to know when we walk into that system that this is what we have to do for our woman so that we can change the way pregnancy is being done and the way you live mm. all that whole process. Cause it's, I won't, there's a whole nother story for that, but yeah. And so when you were talking about that and how we can make the change in the world and stuff, I love that brother. It's, it's I think that's really solid. I, yeah. my, my whole mind's going to now does, we talked about heart, my, what was it? Head, heart and guts. Let, is that, yeah. let's get into that. I really want to dive deep because I, right. uh, I think we have a lot of gel gelling and connecting in this. So let, let's, uh, let's yeah. hear what is that and how does that all go? Yeah, well, I just wanted to give a shout out really quickly, just hearing what you had to say. You know, it's funny. I'm, 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 always, I'm the kind of guy who's always got like eight books running. So one of the books I'm into right now is Body Keeps the Score. And literally the part I was listening to this morning while I'm cooking myself breakfast was about what happens prenatally and how that can actually change gene expression. But then even when a kid comes out, the stress level of the parents, of the caregivers, has a bigger impact even in the first 12 hours, the first few days, especially the first several years on that child's gene expression. And that, you know, anyway, we could, we could do a whole other episode on that stuff and about how as men, we're actually the more emotionally vulnerable, scientifically the more emotionally vulnerable uh, gender. If we want to look at two genders, I think there's more. Um, so, and a big shout out to my sister, my little sister, Nicole, uh, had her first baby uh, in May during the pandemic. And she rocked it like an all-star. She did a home birth. Uh, she did like the full mental, emotional, spiritual badassery. And they had such a healthy, I mean, they had such a healthy birth. And, and my niece, Bella, is like not, almost nine months old. And she's like this amazingly attentive and joyful and like wildly, it seems like she's just constantly giggling and sees everything. And here's a very advanced. I think it had a lot to do with how hard they worked to actually create a more calm and, you know, cause I'm not the only one in my family who's got a history of like anxiety, depression, you know, self-limitation. Um, so my sister worked her butt off and I just, she's like, I don't tell her enough, but she really blew my mind. I saw her transform in that process. So that, that's what, you know, that's not, I just had to say it. I had to say it, got to share the love and um, I should call her after this show. But uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> And my dad, let me make, take a note, you know, it's like, who don't I call him up? Little sister and dad. All right. So yeah, head, heart and guts. 
So I truly believe that there's a lot of stuff out there that is teaching men right now, all of this beautiful stuff, beautiful, beautiful information. We have to be uh, you know, embodying the sovereign masculine. We have to be learning to protect and, and claim and be present with our women. And if you know we're hetero or whatever, we have to be completely devoted to mission and completely devoted full of purpose or that's it's the only way to be and you know what i truly believe that that, that, that all of that has amazing value and all of that has helped transform my life but at the end of the day we're not all here to be a men's coach to be a you know a transformational leader to to feed the hungry like the world needs us to be in our lives so for me we don't have to be a hundred percent rooted in you know mission and changing the world and purpose, et cetera. But we can really transform every part of our being. We can really get to a place where we are feeling lit the fuck up about our lives. If we do work to align our head, our heart, and our guts. You know, we've been taught in many ways to live in the head most of our lives. But we've been taught to live in the way in our head in a way where we're like more of a victim or a consumer rather than a creator of a great life. So, so that's what it's really to me about. It's about helping men take all the knowledge and information that we fill our minds with constantly and applying it, turning it into actual wisdom, mindset shifts, real change in our lives. So when I talk about head, I talk about like this mindset shift from consumer to creator. I talk about this mindset shift from student mindset to scientist when I could do a whole podcast and have on that and really developing a sense of presence. Our mind is present. We're aware of what's going on. We have mindfulness. We can experience the moment because ask a guy how they're doing. Usually they're going to tell you about some shit that just happened or what they have to do next. They're almost never going to tell you about, well, here's actually how I'm feeling in this moment. So we have a hard time changing because we can't actually feel, see, experience what's going on for us. And you know, the whole, point of mindfulness as far as behavioral change we can't slow down and create that distance between stimulus and create a response rather than an automatic reflexive reaction right so we have to be present to people around us in our head in our heart it's about understanding our values taking action to align with our values understanding and welcoming and honoring our emotions and becoming what i call emotionally fluent not just emotionally intelligent and really internalizing our validation. We got to get rid of all the desire for external validation and feel deeply internally validated. And, I, and that to me is hard work. And then guts is about risk taking, you know, taking risk, speed to action, ending procrastination, learning to just go for it and learn rather than try to figure out the right path all the time. And really deepening relationships, challenging, deepening, strengthening, fortifying our relationships, first with ourselves. And then with others, but also I love to work in the guts level around relationship to time, relationship to money, relationship to food, relationship to love, relationship to your body, or, you know, just relationship to work. These are relationships that we have that transform our life. So that to me is what it's about when I talk about head, heart, and guts. I love that. I think that's all amazing and solid stuff. Wait, when you when I first heard you say guts, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, he has heart and guts. I'm like, where's intuition fall? Or is it yeah. into, where, where would you say intuition will fall in? All three. Okay. So, <laughs> because it's about alignment, right? Like, like, if I'm all in my head, I'm not in intuition. If I'm all in my emotions, or if I'm only centered on my own values, and I can't actually hear and see others probably not too far into my intuition. I'm actually more in some self-absorbed idea about what I think is right. And if I'm not willing to take the risk, if I'm not willing to take action, I'm not willing to experience uncertainty, to be vulnerable, to learn to communicate in uncomfortable ways, to be more embodied. I'm probably not able to hear my and listen to my intuition. I listened to your episode the other night about intuition, actually the recent one. And, um, and, 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 I'm, and I'm totally with you. It's about alignment. Now, that being said, if we were going to compartmentalize it, I actually believe that the underdeveloped part for most dudes is that heart level, is being able to understand our emotions and our values and being internally validated so we can actually trust our intuition as opposed to going like, 
well, I feel this, I think this, but what is she going to think of me? You know, what are they going to think of me? What is social media going to think of me? So, so that's it. I, I think it aligns with all of them, but probably lives more in the heart gut level, you know, in, in that, in that center space, right. There's a reason, right. Which, you know, that there's so many spiritual traditions that focus on those areas, right. Of the body, the solar plexus, the hara, the like lower energy zones, because that's a lot of where the intuition is. But, but if my head is full of, of shit if i'm full of anxiety if i'm overthinking everything if i'm constantly finding ways to believe my negative stories that my brain naturally creates because it's an organ that's designed to do that uh i won't hear the intuition in my heart i won't i won't be able to feel it in my guts anyway so um you know like most of my answers there's paradox there's there's complexity you <laughs> know it's not just one but yeah it's all of them really no, I, I love it. I love how you break it down too, because it's, 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 it's one of those things. If you are, I always talk about like, if you're, if you're in your head, man, that is just so much noise. Intuition is that inner voice and you have to quiet that to get to there. And then even with emotions, if you're highly emotion, you're highly reactive, right? Especially in day and age, like today, social media. I mean, you can, I can mention, I can go political. I can go even now health now is one of those, you know, and I can go so many different worlds with all these yeah. triggers that you, if you're really into the emotions, you're easily triggered and controlled. And so then how do you flow into that state of intuition? And that's why I love when you said emotional fluid, said emotionally fluid, right? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm still riffing on this idea myself, but I truly believe that emotional intelligence is it's taught by leadership development and it's really to make HR happy. You know, it's, it's, and it's, 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 again, it's in that head, head section. It's in that kind of intellect quadrant, if you will. Um, and so I like to talk about, you know, emotional fluency. At one point I called it emotional mastery, but I kind of, I've come to the point where I've realized the idea of mastering oneself is still like a domination-based logic. It's not based in liberation of the spirit, liberation of our humanity. So I'm trying not to use the language mastery. So the thing that came up for me is really it's emotional fluency. Can I hear? Can I feel? Can I accurately interpret my emotions? Can I do the same when I'm being with others? And, and then can I have, fluency includes those hard conversations too. It's like, can I, can I state with clear, a clear eye statement from a grounded place, how I feel while still holding my partner accountable to an agreement that we did, you know, she, that she violated or whatever, right? It's like, how can I actually communicate all of this too? So emotional fluency is the, is the level I'm developing and working on with my own theory right now. No, I like it. I think it's it's one of those things that, you know, you're always, you know, mastery. I, that's why I never like using the word expert. I'm very against it. Because right. those are the people that will tell you no first before anybody else. And they'll tell you this is how it is. And that's it. And it's Ooh. always like, hold up, there's so much more, you know, how do you know, that's one way. What if there's other things? And through my experience in life, it's been one of the things where anytime an expert says something, I'll be like, okay, that's, that's one thing. And then I'll go and create my own looking at stuff. And all of a sudden I find out there's other ways to do things just as much. Mm -hmm. um, and that was in the healing arts when I got into chiropractic or energy medicine, yeah. you know, some people say, this is the way, look at all the healing it does. Look what it does. This is the best out there. And then I started going, hold up here. After a while, I'm like, this technique works too. That technique works. This technique works. This works. I'm like, mm -hmm. hold up. Maybe it's not the technique. Maybe it's just the person who's doing the technique. And in chiropractic, we have a phrase, chiropractic works 100% of the time, but does the chiropractor. And so <laughs> I love that, man, that fluidiness, and it's always been able to yeah. flow. I think the heart center is one of the things that men have the biggest struggle with. Um, yeah. I think from being, you know, being two males here, raised in America, what mm -hmm. is some of the things that you think why we have such a hard time with the heart? Yeah, it's just how we're conditioned. Um, and frankly, if I'm being honest, I'm going to take a little challenger, uh, warrior energy on this one. It's, it's easier to be disconnected from our hearts. It's actually the easier way. To, I mean, it's short term, easier, long term. It's probably going to be harder. It's one of those situations, but it's, we've been taught from a, a million is kind of in that student scientist stuff I talk about. We've been taught from a very young age. But if we don't say and do the right thing, and if we don't act like we're supposed to, and if we don't have the right answer, then we're probably not that worthy, you know? At least, okay, I can speak for what I want to call like middle class, like middle class um, American culture that maybe is often like kind of in white space, white culture. We have to be right. We have to be smart. We have to be intelligent. Unless you are like a physical specimen that's just 
hot as the sun, you know, and like everybody wants to be like you or wants to be with you, or unless you are amazingly competent in your athletic ability, you're only valued as a man for your intelligence and how you can think and how well you can do academically. So, so we've just been taught to value the headspace. And I don't know if we want to get deep into this rabbit hole, but be a good employee. Well, tell you what, when we were establishing the norms and, and values of our society, whether we're talking about 600 years ago, when you had to go out and be a blacksmith, you know, burn your pinky finger off and then just keep working the rest of the day, you don't want to be too connected to your emotions. Same as we've, you know, sent, on, uh, you know, sent men into the workforce, industrial revolution, you had to work in a factory 18 hours, a, uh, 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 you know, a day to feed your family because we've now created an environment where it's hard for you to be a farmer. Right. Again, you have to disconnect from a lot of your intuition and your emotion. And, and there's a million reasons why. I mean, this probably started years ago when we started dividing up land and creating uh, you know, tribes that decided this is our area, that's our area, and we have to go to war. You know, you're sending men to war, you're sending men into battle, whether it be in the schoolyard or whether it be on the football field or whether it be in, in, in industry, uh, we shut down. You, we have to shut down the emotional level, the heart level, to be able to dominate others, to be able to oppress others, or to dominate the press parts of ourselves. So there's a big old why. You know, I'll say what well, same thing I said on a podcast yesterday. It's like I care so much more about the how to get the hell out of it than the why, because I feel like when we get, it's good to know the why. It's good to know what we're de, uh, you know, what we're dismantling, right? It's good to know what we're destroying in the in the interest in the art of creation of something new. But I'd rather just get to the work of figuring out how to change these patterns for ourselves and not get into the game of like, I know it's patriarchy, it's capitalism. Look, I, I took, I'm pre- plenty, <laughs> you know, I'm plenty versed in all that. And there's truth to all of it. But as far as an individual dude in his life, it's about taking responsibility for what is and what can be in the future, as opposed to like all the reasons why we've been conditioned this way. Because we have. And maybe that's just the only thing we need to know if we have, and we can decondition, we can deconstruct, we can dismantle, we can, you know, recreate ourselves in a new way of being uh, individually and collectively. I love it. And it all starts with the individual, right? Because the individual plays the huge part on the collective and, mm-hmm. and, and the mind, you know, the mind is plastic. This is something that I, I'm very proud to know that I got to know this hardcore in chiropractic school. Cause that's what we do. Um, yeah. But you're, when you're talking about like we've been conditioned a certain way, well, we can break those things down and, and, and mm-hmm. create with habits and, and different routines and creating different standards. And then from there, wires into the brain, starts to get a pattern, starts to create a habit. Once it starts to create a habit, now all of a sudden we're starting to create that into our reality. And then that's where the massive shift comes, where the work that you're doing and others that can help shift mm-hmm. the male presence of the archetypes or whatever you want to call it that it should be and instead what i like because i hate labels i hate titles i hate i not that i hate that's a that's a bad word not a good word to use (laughs) sorry i dislike them in a sense because it when you put labels on something you put it in a box and then you like you said before i like doing one-on-one coaching because it's more i can connect it's more customizable i thought group coaching was going to be everything i was going to do and then i had Mm -hmm. my first one-on-one client and all of a sudden i'm going Nope. This is, this is my wheelhouse. This is, I connect, I can be with them. I can help them for what they need and not put it in a box where it's like, here's what I'm presenting for everybody. So we all go together in a group. I want to help at wherever speed they are. And I I could tell you're, you're on that same vibe. Um, I love this brother. We can talk so much more. I know I'm going to have to have you back Mm -hmm. on, but before we wind up, I want to get, make sure all the people who've been listening, how can they connect with you? How can they follow up with what you're up to and all that you're doing? Yeah, the coolest thing I got going right now to connect with me is some some people love Facebook, some people don't. But if you're on Facebook, go to the search bar and type in Drop the Armor Dojo. A request to join. It's a Facebook group I've been cultivating a little over a year uh, now. There's a few hundred people in there. And it's all people that are into personal development work, that are into spiritual work, that are choosing to create a life that they feel passionate about and build the skill set and mindset to live that life that lights them the fuck up. You know, I say it's a place where you got a few hundred people who are practicing choosing love over fear and courage over comfort and creation over consumption and actually doing it over social media, which even like two, three years ago, I was like, yeah, bullshit. Facebookers are bullshit. But I decided to make one that I thought would bring real value and it's popping. I love it. There's just such deep connection in there. 
I go there to get lit up. I go there to get inspired. And I also drop questions three, four times a week in there that create deep conversation. I drop videos and content about the head, heart, gut stuff I just talked about, you know, a couple times a week. Um, and so that's a great place is join that. I'll probably message you, say, thanks. How'd you let list, you know, how'd you find us? And then we'll connect right there. Or you can always just go to my website to joebernsteincoaching.com. Um, you can search me on Instagram. I'm getting an Instagram the last few months, too. You can find me there, Joe Bernstein. Uh, my handles drop the armor, Joe, right now. So, uh, you know, just find me on those those places, and we'll connect. For everyone listening, I'll have that in the show notes for you to connect with. Cool. Joe, I appreciate you, man. This is uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks for being uh, sharing your story and opening up about that. Uh, a lot of power in there. There's a lot of stuff uh, in there and uh, your journey and what you're doing for men right now. It's much needed. And so, again, I commend you and all the work you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for bringing your passion to you know share wisdom and information with people that's helpful. And I appreciate you and I have gratitude for the audience for listening. You know, time, energy, and attention some of the most valuable resources on the planet. So you and everyone listening, you're giving me a lot right now. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.